Good morning. A delight to be able to be together again, to come around God's Word, to hear His truth, His promises, to be built up in that most holy faith. This morning we turn to Hebrews chapter 11, and this begins to get nearer to the end of the book, and we'll be reading verses 1 through 5 of chapter 11, but I want to read a verse uh, from the previous chapter that is a reminder of why now he focuses on faith. He gives the, um, the, the comments of their previous suffering and how that had discouraged some of them. And in verse 39 of chapter 10, he says, But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but those who have faith and preserve their souls. And he continues there, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the convictions of things not seen. For by it, people of old received their commendation. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice in Cain, through which he was commended as righteous, God commending him by accepting his gifts. And through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death. And he was not found because God had taken him. Now before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please him forever who would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. By faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events yet unseen, in reverent fear constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. Indeed, what glorious words of promise and hope we may see. Let's join together in prayer. Lord, we hear the words of Scripture, but how we pray that the Spirit would take them and root them in our hearts, that we may know that truth that sets us free, that we may see the glory and the grace of our God, and so now bless the preaching of your word, we ask in Jesus. Amen. I'm sure that many of you have watched a child learn how to ride a bicycle. I've seen a granddaughter and she would get on the bicycle and she would try to get started and the first thing she would do is fall over. Maybe scrape a knee a little or something, but be a little nervous, a little afraid and think, well, maybe I'm just going to quit. And as a grandpa, what do I say? Yeah, hang it up. Forget it. You'll never learn. No, of course not. You say, you can do this. Remember all the things that You've, you've learned about how you have to balance yourself, how you have to begin, how you have to continue. You encourage that perseverance, even in the, in the face of some difficulty. And as the writer of Hebrews is addressing people, he is talking about perseverance. Perseverance in their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. 
Think of what he has gone over so far. He has focused on Jesus being greater than angels, being greater than Moses, being greater than Aaron, being greater than the priesthood, being greater than all the sacrifices that were offered. And he wants his readers to know, to remember, to call to mind these truths. But it's not just knowing more that is his desire. And he draws our attention now to faith. Because being a Christian is not simply knowing the right things. Being a Christian is not simply believing the right things. The devils believe and tremble. Now being a Christian is having that trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. That he is our all-sufficient Savior that we commit ourselves unreservedly to Him, ready to give our own lives, to testify that He is our Lord and Savior. And so we think about faith. Yes, there is an aspect of knowledge, there is an aspect of agreeing, but there is that trust that defines our lives, that In Jesus, we are recreated. We are new creatures, and therefore we live, we act, we think differently. And the writer then of Hebrews goes on to deal with faith. And he wants us to see, how does this now come to expression in our lives? As we are encouraged to persevere, knowing the great and glorious hope that faith looks to, even our risen Lord Jesus Christ. So this morning from our text, we're not going to deal with the first few verses really. We're going to look at how he gives expression to faith as those of old had expressed it. And there are three men who are mentioned here in our text. We see that, verse 4, first Abel, we see then Enoch, and we see then Noah. And all of them are commended for their faith. And I want to draw out three aspects of how they express their faith. For Abel, we see it is worship. For Enoch, we see that he walked with God. For Noah, we see that he worked out his faith. So you can help, hopefully help, uh, be helped to remember that when we think of worship, of walk, and of work. That these are the things that faith does. And we, we see first Abel. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain. We have to go back to Genesis as we Read the story there. There's only a few verses that I will read. In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground, and Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offerings he had no regard. 
So Cain was very angry and his face fell. And here is that difference between Abel and Cain. And what was that difference? Some say, well, it was in the sacrifice that Cain did not bring, the, an animal sacrifice. And we think, well, in Leviticus, where there's all the instruction that the Lord gives later, there is provision for the, the offering of grain offerings, of the first fruit of the fields. So we'd say, well, did Cain not bring that? But the difference was that he did it of what he could bring, rather than according to an acknowledgement that his sin, his guilt, required a sacrifice of blood. Hebrews has mentioned earlier that without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. And so Cain sought to bring his worship according to his own resources, what he had gained from the ground. But in Abel, through faith, he comes before God, knowing his own guilt, knowing the reality of sin in his own heart, and, and he knows that the provision that God has made has been sacrifice of animal. Adam and Eve, Recall, were clothed with the skin of animals that God provided for them. That an animal had to sacrifice its life in order to be able to provide those skins by which they were covered, their nakedness, their shame because of their sin. And Abel understood that. And he comes to God not saying, look what I can bring, but rather saying, what Lord, you have provided in directing sacrifice. This is what I bring because I am the one who is guilty. And so he comes in and he worships. This is what Abel offers. And it's not that he thinks, now I have done something great. In his very sacrifice, there is the acknowledgement that he must bring what God provides and not what he is able to do. And today we think of faith as it expresses worship to God. Now, we don't bring animal sacrifices anymore. I'm certainly thankful. I don't want to be killing animals and sprinkling blood and everything. That's not necessary anymore because we know, as Hebrews has reflected on, that the one true sacrifice that is acceptable has been offered even Jesus Christ himself. And so our faith comes to God as we worship each Sunday again. We don't come saying, God, look what I am bringing to you. Listen to my voice as it praises you. Look at what I put in the offering. No, we come with that focus of the sacrifice of Jesus. And we say, here is the, the reason, the basis for my worship, that I may enter into the very presence of God himself, who is holy, 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 
think of Abel. How he worshipped. How he offered that sacrifice through faith. And through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. His faith was sealed with his blood. As he died at the hands of his brother, who hated him because God received his offering that was offered in faith. And so we come, and we would offer to God ourselves on the basis of what Jesus has done. And what did Abel receive? Abel was accepted, commended as righteous. It wasn't because of some great feat that he did. It was faith. And again, it's something that can be foreign to us. And even when we acknowledge it, sometimes we tend to forget it. When we think, well, if I do something bad, God is going to zap me. When we think I've sinned and God is now so angry with me that I can't approach him. We come always on the basis of Jesus' sacrifice, the provision for righteousness. And our worship then flows out of that. We come and we say, I am able to do this because of God's provision. Abel recognized that as he offered his sacrifice. And we recognize that. And acknowledge it as we think of Jesus who suffered and died on the cross, a sacrifice for sin. The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world that we may now worship in spirit and in truth. And the testimony of God, the commendation to all who trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Not simply know about Him, not even simply know him, but those who trust in him, who say, I am defined by my relationship to Jesus. I'm defined by my relationship to Jesus. Not by my job, not by my status, not by my family, not by my ethnicity. I am defined by my relationship to Jesus. And what is the commendation of God to all who are in Christ Jesus? They are righteous. They are holy. They are set apart. And they have the promise of everlasting life. And so Abel shows us faith as it worships. Next is Enoch. And Enoch is a figure in the Old Testament who is rather obscure. If you want to read all about him, you turn to Genesis chapter 5 and you read about three verses. When Enoch had lived 65 years, he fathered Methuselah. 
Enoch walked with God after he fathered Methuselah 300 years, and he had other sons and daughters. Thus all the days of Enoch were 365 years. Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. You think, well, what was going on here? Enoch walked with God. Now, what does that mean, that he walked with God? That he walked in fellowship with God. That his life was one of communion with God. That living relationship that he knew. And this walking was more than, than simply an acknowledgement of God or a, a morning prayer that he would have had with God. We think of other places that talk about walking with God. God's command to Abram in Genesis chapter 17. The Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am almighty God, walk before me and be blameless. That here is an expression now of faith to be lived out, walking before God, recognizing who He is and living for Him and not for ourselves. Deuteronomy 5, verse 33. Again, the instruction, the command, you shall walk in all the ways of the Lord, how He commands you that you may live. That walking is not simply going from point A to point B, but it is that relationship that defines how we act, how we think. There is a reminder in Proverbs, he who walks with wise men will be wise. You see, those that we have fellowship with affect us. And Enoch walked with God. He did so by faith. He understood and he learned more about God. He lived it out and he became more after the character of God. Does that not, not sound familiar? What does the New Testament say as we walk in faith in Jesus Christ? We become more and more like him. Because we walk with him by faith. And the scripture then teaches us that this walking is in faith. It is in that trust in God and all of his promises. And, and what is astounding then that Enoch walked with God and he was not. He vanished. He disappeared from human perspective. But what does our text say? He was not found because God had taken him. He had taken him up. He had raptured him, we might say. He had moved from life to glory. And this is all the more amazing because when you go back to Genesis 5, there is a refrain there's this whole list of genealogy, and what's the refrain? And he died. So-and-so lived, he had children, 
He lived so many more years and he died. The refrain again and again and again because of the reality of sin and he died and he died and he died. And then you get to, I'm not Methuselah, sorry. You get to Enoch and all of a sudden it's missing. Instead, he goes from life to glory. God took him. He received him into glory. And there, points us to the reality of faith as it walks with God. The hope, the reality that God says, yes, here is the result of sin, death, death, death. And yet, by faith, there is something greater. And Enoch experienced that. And he was not because God took him. That hope, That glory still belongs to God's people. We think of what Jesus says. I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. You see, faith brings us to that promise of everlasting life. Life that will not end. Life that will be the fullness of life in the very presence of God. And there is the testimony, even in Genesis 5, of that reality. Enoch was translated to glory and did not see death because of his faith. And as we read here, we are reminded, and without faith, it is impossible to please him that is God. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Here's the invitation. The invitation and the reminder to those who are reading this letter. What do we believe? People may believe in God, some kind of generic supernatural being who has some power, but notice faith goes far beyond that. They seek him, believing that he rewards those who seek him, that they come by faith and they say, Lord, reveal yourself to me, show me that I may know you the source of life, the one who is glorious beyond compare. And how do we walk with God? We do so through the means that he gives to us. We are children of God through faith. And we walk with him. We take the scriptures and we read it for it is The message of our Father to us who have believed in Jesus. And we say, who is this God that I have come to acknowledge? That I have come to through faith in Jesus Christ. And we read scripture and we say, he's greater than I had imagined. Look at what he has accomplished. Look at the glory of his plan of salvation. Look at the magnitude of his grace and kindness. 
read Scripture and we see God has worked this out in real life. This is not something theoretical that someday may come true. We can read the histories and we see the history of individuals, of nations, how God blesses, how He redeems, how He accomplishes His purposes. And we say, this is my God. This is a God who has loved me in Jesus Christ. And I am now saved from my sin, from righteous judgment and brought to glory. And I have a down payment already. The Holy Spirit dwells in me. That I may read Scripture. And it's not simply a book of old stories. They are words of life. Words of hope. Words of glory. And our hope is that we walk in Christ. That as we have learned Him, we walk in Him and become more and more like Him. And so faith worships. Faith walks. And we see then in Noah that faith works. It is not working to earn God's salvation. Well, it's very clear from our text. He became heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. But Noah acted. He lived out his faith. As God warned him of the flood, the deluge that was to come. God warned him. And it had never happened before. And Noah begins building this ark. Think about it. Somebody in your neighborhood would start building a boat. Three football fields. He's got to have some property. Three football fields long. And he's building this. And you're thinking, what is the matter with you? You're building this thing so huge, so heavy, you're never even going to be able to get it to the water. And he says, well, the water's going to come here. And you say, yeah, right. This is what Noah did. God had warned him. And he believed. He believed. By faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events yet unseen. He hadn't seen it. He'd never seen a flood. Was this going to happen as he began building? The people would laugh. What are we going to do this afternoon? Let's go walk by Noah's boat and let's see what he's doing today. Let's have a good laugh. And Noah was a preacher of righteousness. He warned the people. God is bringing a judgment. Repent. Repent of your sin. Cry out for God's mercy. They would not listen. 
They were confirming themselves in their sin. By this, he condemned the world. He showed his faith was in Jesus, as the promise was given already to Adam and Eve. His faith was in God's word, that God would indeed bring a flood that had never been seen before. And he acted on it. And you think of the work it it would have taken him decades to do. Decades of his life. As he and his sons worked on this. And yet he continued, he persevered, he believed God's word. He knew God as creator. God as righteous judge. And he, by faith, acted on that. And he would save his household. Now, what does that mean for us today? We say, well, we're not expecting another flood. Indeed, God has promised not to bring another flood over the whole earth. But we look and we see that what is pictured for us in that is an ark. And our ark is Jesus Christ. That as we are in Him, as faith is united to Him, He becomes our refuge. And we know that there is another judgment that is coming. It is not a judgment of water, but a judgment of fire. We think how Peter gives warning to that that there will be another flood, another enveloping of the world, of a judgment that will cleanse it of fire. And how will we escape? It is in that ark of the Lord Jesus Christ who says, come to me, believe in me, and you will have life and have it abundantly. And all the powers of this world. All the powers of evil, the powers and principalities will not be able to have their hold on us because we are kept safe in our Savior. And so we prepare ourselves. We work because we believe We don't work in order to be saved, but because we are saved, we say, now, how does my life look? What is your priority? What do you think about? What are your goals? And sometimes we have different ones. You know, we say, well, tomorrow morning I'm going to get up at 6.30. (laughs) That might be harder for some than others. But we we have short-term goals, but we say, now why am I getting up? Well, I need to be able to be prepared for the day. And what do we want to do in the day? Well, I, I want to work. I want to provide for my family. I want to be productive. But why? And we begin with these larger and larger circles, and we say, ultimately, what's my aim? What am I working for? 
to bring glory to the Lord Jesus Christ. That I am not my own. I have been bought with a price, the precious blood of the Lord Jesus. And because of that, my life is defined in how I may faithfully serve Him. That all my work, that all my efforts, that the efforts I put into accomplishing things is ultimately for His glory. We see how Noah worked. There must have been discouraging times. It must have gotten weary. Decade after decade of building this boat under the scornful eye of the world. And yet he persevered because by faith he believed God's word. And he was a preacher of righteousness. He didn't say, let's, let's try to ignore everybody. Let's just pretend they don't exist. He was concerned for them. They were his fellow human beings created in the image of God. And he preached to them. And we think again of the work God gives us to do. To be his witnesses. In Acts 1.8, the apostles, he tells them that they're going to be witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost ends of the earth. And we carry on that task as a part of the church of Jesus Christ. And we have a message. We have a message that there is hope to escape the coming judgment. That it is the Lord Jesus Christ who is the one who gives us that confidence to come before a holy God, to seek forgiveness for our sins, and to have that boldness to come before a throne of grace. And so we give testimony with our lives, with our words, that we too would be preachers of righteousness. And it's not become as good as I am, but rather acknowledge yourself a sinner as I do, that the righteousness of Christ may be given to you. Because faith is not earned. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast, as we are reminded in Ephesians 2. And as we go into the world, we go as those who are heirs. We think of Noah, an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. And all who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ 
are heirs, fellow heirs with Christ, to receive a kingdom, to receive a priesthood, to receive a kingship that is everlasting, that is perfect, that will fulfill us in every way that we were created to be in the image of God. And we already begin to live that out in our lives today. We do so by faith as we worship. We do that by faith as we walk with God. We do that by faith as we work out our faith in the things that we do. And this was something that the Apostle Paul was familiar with as well. He could say, it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life I live, I live by faith. And as he closes 1 Corinthians, he reminds the Corinthian church, he reminds all Christians, as he has called them, to believe in Jesus and to live that out. He says, therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain. What we do for the Lord Jesus Christ in this life will never be forgotten. And it will be to the everlasting praise of God the Father. And so here again, the writer is drawing us to faith, reminding them, they, the readers, the original readers had given up so much, and now they had become discouraged as it continued to be persecution, hardship, rejection. He has been reminding them of the greatness of Jesus. And now he says, by faith, this is yours. You are an heir of a glory that the world cannot imagine. And so he says, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. And so, there is the appeal. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Have a faith that is not merely a head knowledge, but a heart knowledge. That is not a commitment as long as things go well, but a commitment that encompasses your whole life. That you may walk by faith and not by sight. And be an heir with Christ of the glory that is to come. Amen. Let us pray. O oh Lord our God, we come to you and we pray. Increase our faith. Give us greater understanding of what you have accomplished that our worship may ever grow more full that our walk with you may be ever more intimate and perfect, 
that our work may be done always and only for your glory. O Lord, be merciful to us, for we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.